Welcome to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. We feature exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the podcast, the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, and the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause. I also created the Reach More Readers Workshops. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action today as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us to help us reach more listeners. Hello, everyone. I'm Becky Robinson. Welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. So today I'm so excited to talk with Megan Erickson. Megan doesn't know this, but I watch pretty much everything she does on Instagram, and she is adding tremendous value through her guidance for people related to social media. So I wanted to invite her on the show today to talk about this really important topic that a lot of authors and writers struggle with, which is the idea of balancing the work that you're doing on writing your books with your marketing work and growing your platform. So welcome, Megan. It is so great to see you again. Hello. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for that little intro. And now that I know you're a lurker on my account, (laughs) no, so good. So glad that we've connected. Yes. So I I admire the way you incorporate what's actually going on in your life in a very real way, which reminds me now this podcast isn't going to air for a couple of months, but I've been reading a lot about a new social platform called Be Real. And I'm betting that some of our listeners have heard of Be Real as well. So what's the verdict, Megan? Are you going to try it out? Well, I have in in full disclosure, downloaded it to my phone several months ago and never used it Um, (laughs) because I have, but I have been keeping tabs on how many people are joining it and what it's all about. And I don't particularly seeing it be an, a place to market um, because it is very much based in, because it's called be real is you are prompted at a certain time during the day. You don't know what time that's going to be. It's different every day. And when the alert comes up, you have so met a minute or it's something crazy. You have a few minutes to capture your be real post. It's like a story kind of, and it engages both the front and the back of your camera. So it sees what like it's both a selfie and whatever's happening in front of you. And then you can add a few words about what you're doing that day or whatever's happening. So it's intentionally trying to force it to be something in the moment, not curated and giving you an opportunity to talk about whatever it is that you're doing at that exact moment. So it's, it's not one just yet that I can see where it would be something advantageous for marketers to jump on, but um, it's very intriguing. I mean, I've, I've heard mixed results, like some people loving it because it does feel really real and genuine. And then other people going, what's the point of this? Like seeing a bunch of people's lunch plates. I don't know, you know? (laughs) Well, I feel like even if it caught me at different times in the day, the chance that I'm sitting in front of my computer working or on a zoom call would be really, really high. So thank you for filling us in on that. I I have not downloaded it. I don't have any intention to. You know, when I first got started on social media, one of the big crazes at the time was when the invitations for Google Plus came out. 
I don't know oh, if you yes. were active in social media yeah. then and, you know, really scrambling to figure out Google Plus and the circles and all that stuff. And it all came to nothing. And then they canceled it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So before we get too far, Megan, I would love for you to tell our listeners a bit more about yourself, uh, where you live, what the work is that you do in the world, your connection to authors and writing. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I am a resident of central Ohio, Columbus area and married, have three kids. And this is really the career that I just made up because at the time I had been working for advertising and marketing agencies for my career. I had two kids and couldn't figure out how to get out the door with them. So stayed home for a period of time and started freelancing. And at that time, I was trying to convince my clients to get onto social media. Like we should be on Facebook. We should be on the new thing called Twitter. And they were having none of it at the time. It's not professional. And so it afforded me the opportunity to then, you know, at the time blogging was big too. Right. So I started my, I cut my freelance teeth on writing blogs. And then I was like, you know what, we can share them to social media and then you can get more leads that way. And just have learned and developed over time to be a full-fledged career path now, social media marketing. Um, and one of my clients currently is Hope Writers and they help writers balance the craft of writing with the biblical business of publishing. So um, it is a wonderful community, online community of writers. And I help them. I'm their growth director of growth over sales and marketing. So I help them not only get new members, but then help to curate uh, writers, help the writers with their marketing and how to get their the word about their book out there. So I love writers and I love just the art and that heart to get out your really important message into the world. Fantastic. Well, um, so one of the big challenges that I see when I partner with authors or writers is this difficulty between toggling back and forth between their writing deadlines and their marketing efforts. So what have you seen that works well for the writers that you've been serving and partnering with? Oh, yes. It is a constant struggle. I feel like many writers, their first question, I, I guarantee you, if I'm in a room of writers and this is a Q&A, I'm going to get the question, but what if I hate social media? That is like the number one question I get because they, they feel as writers, typically we want to go really deep you know, we want to write lengthy things and we're restricted on social media and it tends to grate on them. Not all of them, some love it, but it it doesn't at first seem to fit in to the writing life, having to take time away from you being in the depth, being inside your writing and spending some concentrated work, time on that and then spending some time a great amount of time, which I get it. Social media takes a while. It, it does seem like a time monster to keep it updated, but um, it, seem, it just feels like this thing that they just have this monster, they have to keep feeding and they're told they have to do it. And then there's this tension between talking with, with publishers and agents like, well, 
if you don't have a platform, you've got to build your platform or I can't represent you. So there's lots of stuff. There's lots of emotions and feelings all wrapped up into social media when you are a writer. I totally understand that. But here, here is the dirty little secret in my mind. Many, much of the advice that you get on social media about growing your social media platform is from influencers. And they're telling you how to do it from an influencer point of view. They're telling you how to do it to get more followers, to just be famous, right? And as you even talk about in your book. So what I'm helping you do is to understand what it's like as a business, which you are, writers, you are business people, you are trying to publish something and make money from it. That makes you a business. And shifting your thought process into this is a business. So I'm going to use social media for that purpose. And just even that switch um, helps to put it in the right category. Um, and there's, there's so many other secrets I can go into if you want me to keep going. But um, also I'm a big fan of batch creation because we tend to think we have to be on the app all the time. We tend to think that I need to be there to respond and comment immediately or just find inspiration, what have you. And what we do is we spend our time procrastinating, scrolling, I call it, <laughs> procrastinating from writing by scrolling on social media, thinking we're doing something productive to build our platform. When really the really productive thing we could be doing is spending our time off the platform to plan and create the content. And we can use these fantastic things called schedulers, which are software that you can sign up for that will automatically deliver those posts to your platform without you ever even being on it. So really, I mean, even as a professional social media marketer, this is what I do for my everyday job. I really only spend a half an hour a day for work purposes on any social platform. I am there checking I am there, like who engaged with what? I'm looking at the stats. I am responding to my comments. I'm responding to my DMs. And I might be commenting on some other people's posts. And that's it. That's really all you have to do on a daily basis. Um, and you can then spend. So if you, you're, and it, it does, it does take some discipline. I get it because literally the platform, all these platforms are designed to suck you in and keep you on that platform. Like that's the big struggle there. Like it's designed for that. So you are fighting a losing battle to start with. But um, if you are take that time and say, okay, well, I just spend this time, set a timer if you got to, you know, do whatever you need to do to engage once a day on it and then spend the rest of your time in writing in what you need to be doing for your book or whatever your next project is. And then you'd say spend a couple hours a week on flip planning and creating that content. Again, deep work time. You're, you're slotting it out and like, okay, this is when I'm going to do my social posts. You create them, you schedule them. You don't touch them for the rest of the week and you can just engage when once a day or then it also, for me, it's a lot of 
it takes the pressure off because then at night you're like, oh, I'm done with the internet. Like I'm done with my work for the day. I can just have fun and like see what my friends posted on social versus feeling like you need to be productive somehow or doing something smart on that platform, you know? So I think between like, just first of all, getting your mindset around it and like, you know, it does not take me literally being on the app all the time to grow my platform and then doing what's really important first, making sure my content is ready and scheduled and then just limiting the time you spend each day. You'll have plenty of time for writing. (laughs) So um, let's talk for a moment because I don't think we've um, talked about any scheduling tools on the podcast before. Hmm. Do you have particular tools that you recommend or that are your favorite? Well, firstly, there are a million different tools. So um, I definitely have my favorites, which I'll talk about. But just so you know that each of them has their own specialties too. So it's usually, I like when people ask me, which one do you, should I use? I'm like, well, it all depends on where you are and what types of things you're posting on those different platforms. And do you want all the platforms that, you know, it's the whole thing. So Uh, I would recommend if you're just starting out, look at what platform you're on and if you can actually schedule from that platform, because Facebook and Instagram, if you have a business profile on both of them, which I recommend, then you can for free, Facebook has a business manager that you can schedule out your post that way. Um, And Twitter baked into their already you know, everybody can do it for free. You can schedule tweets on the app. So those are very simple, like no cost ways that you can do that for the biggest three platforms that are out there. Um, And then if that's not enough for you, or if you want more stats, you need more numbers, which I really like. There's some great platforms. Um, One of them that I love is called Meet Edgar because it has this feature where you put in, you can schedule, I shouldn't say schedule out, like you input all of your posts into these buckets and then you just tell them, I want this bucket to post at 5 p.m. on Wednesdays and it will go down the list. And then when you got to the end of the bucket, it goes back to the top. So it's really great for evergreen posts or things that you're talking about all the time. Believe me, nobody will notice that three months later you res- you post the same thing. <laughs> so I use that a lot for clients to fill in some of their evergreen content or just even their blog posts on rolling, you know, because a lot of times a lot of our blog co- posts can be consumed at any time of the year. So I do that a lot and I just kind of keep adding to the bucket and there's always something to post there. Uh, that's one of my favorites, Meet Edgar for that reason. And then um, Square is really good for Instagram, if you love Instagram. And then later right now, they were the first ones really to the market for scheduling your short form videos, also known as TikToks, Reels, and YouTube Shorts. And they enable you to post them to all of those platforms at once. So that's really cool. So it really all depends on what kind of content you're creating uh, and what you want to do with it. But um, it saves me so, so much time just 
schedule because if you had if I literally had to be on the platform every single time I had to post something I would not do anything else with my life <laughs> so definitely um well so let's switch gears a little bit so one of the challenges I've seen writers or authors have is coming up with fresh and exciting and interesting content to share. So they may feel like, you know, I'm spending all this energy writing my book. I don't have any creative energy left to figure out what to post on social media. Mm -hmm. um, and this is especially something I've noticed with fiction authors. So I'm curious what content ideas you have for fiction or nonfiction authors who may be coming up short on creativity and knowing what to post. Oh, yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I can talk about them separately because they are very different animals. <laughs> so fiction writers, yes, I coach fiction writers and that is usually their number one thing. Well, if I'm working on a story, if I'm in the middle of a book, how, and some of them, it, it depends too. And I don't, I don't judge either way. Some people don't want to talk about a product until it's actually done. Like they don't want to talk about a book in process. And that's totally fine. That's your, you can do that. Um, but some of them are willing to talk about it along the way. So either way, either if you have a published book or if you're working on something, I think the, like thinking about your social media following as like your fan group, like if you had a fan club growing up, right. And you were like, I love this band, right. You would want to know where, what they were doing, even if it was the most boring thing, they're on the road in West Virginia, right? Like you would just, you'd love, you'd want to know that you'd want to see a picture of them doing that. Like you'd want to see like they're tuning their guitar. You don't care. You love them. You want to see them tuning your guitar. So boring things that we do every day, or you think they're boring because you do every day is interesting to your audience if they love who you are and what you're doing. So that's number one is talk about what you're doing. Show like where, where you're riding today and how many word count updates, like, you know, they don't, they want to know who you are as a writer and what's going on with you. So that's just one aspect. Secondly is if they are fans of your book, yet again, if you are, were a huge fan of a movie or a, even again, novel series and whatnot, you love anything that has to do with those characters. You fell in love with those characters. You want to know about them. So if you have story or if you have like Pinterest boards or literal boards that you like put pictures of what these characters look like, or you're naming a character, you can like put out a poll, even if you don't even use what they say, it doesn't matter. Just get their input on like, what should I name this character? Or this, this settings in rural Missouri, like what should, what should they do for fun on a date? I don't know. You know, like anything you're working on is absolutely fodder for social media and I, whether or not this thing is published already. So if it's already published, they want to know like, what, how did you come up with this? Where did this, you know, what's the behind the scenes? Where did you get your inspiration for this thing? Like, they just want to know all of that. And then if you're working on it, that's the opportunity too to get their feedback and just make them feel really involved in the process. So Megan, what would you say about someone who's emerging as an author? So they haven't published a book yet. They don't have any fans yet. They're working on a novel. And, you know, if they're feeling like, you know, nobody cares about my behind the scenes as a writer yet, you know, because I'm, I don't have a following yet. 
what kind of content would you encourage that person to create? Hmm. I would say number one, like post as if you already have that fan club because <laughs> you will, right? So number one, don't discredit yourself. Number two, I would hope that if you're already writing and you're already working toward an end product and end goal, you would know who your reader is, who you're writing for. And that's who you're posting for as well. So if you know, for example, like I worked with an author who's writing in the very same instance that you were talking about, she was on her way. She hadn't published yet. She was writing a novel, but she knew her reader and she knew her reader was like the one who loves Hallmark movies. Like she knew she was in kind of that romance genre. So she made her account like anything people who love Hallmark movies would love, you know, so she had quotes and like frilly, frilly, like um, even the branding, like the visual branding would appeal to them. She, she would talk about Hallmark movies sometimes, or she would talk about other books that she liked that are in the same genre that she's writing for. I mean, you're building um, not only an audience for your books, but for you all or the book you're writing, but like all your future books too. <laughs> so, you know, think about like filling up that fan fan club with people who are like-minded with what you're heading toward. Great. Well, so I know Megan, you and I have had this conversation about how sometimes writing a novel or writing a nonfiction book doesn't translate well into writing captions for social media. Yes. So what are some mistakes that you see writers make when they try to get started creating content for social media? Yes, oftentimes, and I get this struggle because it seems to make sense. I'm a writer. I should be able to write short little captions for my social media posts if I'm writing, you know, 50,000 words elsewhere, I understand. However, there's lots of different types of writing. And there are marketing professionals that have are literally specializing in something called conversion copywriting. And that is what they do is they know how to craft their words to motivate someone to do something for, we call it conversion, which means for the purchase, for the lead magnet opt-in, for the sign up for your newsletter, that sort of thing. So it is, it is a specialized field of study. So don't feel bad if people aren't responding to your captions at first when you're starting out because it is a specialized skill that can be learned. Absolutely. So I just wanted to like put that out there number one and encourage you in that. So how, how it's different from say longer form things is that number one, you're going to feel very unprofessional if you're a very polished writer because all of social media is very conversational. It is very in the moment, it doesn't necessarily have to have great punctuation. It doesn't necessarily run on sentences or fine, you know, emojis all over the place. <laughs> Literally, studies have come back saying that if you include an emoji in your caption, it will perform better than if you don't. So it's like a fact, right? <laughs> like it is not unprofessional. It is encouraged to use emojis to 
to be very um, conversational in your tone. So number one, I feel that writers tend to write too much in their captions. Um, the best performing captions are usually the shorter ones. A sentence or two uh, depends on what you're writing, of course, and your audience. I will always say that because sometimes it, depending on who you are and what you're writing and your audience, your audience wants to read the entire caption. So I will say that, but in general, the best performing captions are very short ones. And there is a craft to, or I should say a formula for captions that helps people convert, helps people to be motivated to do the next step with you. So it's, it's called a call to action. And that usually means at the end of that short thing, you've worked the, you've talked to them about what it is. You usually use that first line to reel them in, right? To, it's kind of like the headline to a blog post. You want to tell them, you want to like reel them in, tease them into reading the rest of the caption. You give them a short couple sentences on what you want to tell them. And then you call them to action or invite them to the next step. So it's as simple as asking a question or click the airplane button to share it to your stories or to share it with your friend who needs to hear this or to recommend this book to someone else, whatever it is. You know, there's many, many calls to action that you could have. Uh, click the link in my bio, that kind of thing. Um, but there is a craft to it. And in general, we, te you we tend or writers tend to attack it like they would any other writing project where we have an intro and a middle and an end. No, <laughs> it usually breaks all the writing rules. Um, and I think the best way to learn that too is just to look at the people that you follow and your favorite people and people specifically too in that write books that you're trying to write or you are writing and see how they're doing it. And if, especially if they're doing really well, if their audience is growing and emulate what they're doing with their captions, kind of study that and, and um, copy what they're doing. Very cool. Uh, so Megan, what else do you wish authors knew about social media marketing? Mm, what else do I wish they knew? I One thing that definitely goes often undone in my opinion is again we're trying we're coming to this platform as business people we are coming with a specific goal and purpose in mind we're not coming just to grow to grow uh, we are coming to create a fan base to create a reader base and um I think oftentimes they as a business at that, what we're talking about, we're trying to sell books, right? As a business, every business person will expect you to know if somebody's wanting to invest in you, you know, if you go to for any kind of investor or anything like that, or a publisher, right? They're going to want to know your numbers and you're going to want to know your numbers. And oftentimes I can tell you how many times people like, it's not performing well. And I'm like, well, how did you measure if that's performing well or not? And typically they'll say, well, they checked it after an hour and it didn't blow up. So they, and it was like low after an hour. And then that was their judgment. It was a horrible post. It didn't work. And our, what has happened is our feelings are not yet separated from that post because I get it. It's a work of art. I mean, it is a, a creative endeavor to create something, put an image with it, put a caption on it, send it out there for response. 
So we're still emotionally bound to it. But the secret is to create a stats document where you separately from, you have like one time a week and then one time a month where I sit down and I look in the Every single platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them have have insights or statistics or analytics. They call them different things. Every single one will tell you how your posts are performing. So all you have to do is you go into that tab, you look at the last week or the last month, usually monthly is enough, um, and see how many likes did I actually get overall? How many comments did I actually get overall? And track that month after month, how how many people. People did I actually grow overall? Because if you're checking it every day, multiple times a day, it goes up and down. That's very natural. We will gain and we'll lose. You want to know the net. You want to know overall, what was that net number? And you then also want to know what performed best out of the things that I posted for the last month. So sorting them by the one that got the most likes or comments or shares, that kind of thing. And that will give you so much information moving forward on how to craft your posts for the next month. So knowing your numbers is the number one overlooked thing. And people think they know their numbers, but all they know is my follower count and what this post, I thought it, how I thought it performed after maybe posting it for an hour, you know? That's helpful. And I don't know, I thinking about the authors that I've served, just the thought about looking at that data feels a little bit overwhelming. So mm -hmm. certainly thinking about capturing metrics on a monthly basis might be less overwhelming than looking at every single post every single time. Yes. So at the end of every episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, Megan, we like to give people some action steps that they can implement immediately after listening to the episode. And as I've been listening to you, you know, one of the things you talked about was the importance of really batching your content creation and using a scheduling tool. So I'm going to put forward one action step you could take from this episode today is if you haven't already to investigate one of the tools that Megan mentioned, and we can put the names of those tools into the uh, show notes uh, so that you can try them out. So, um, you know, getting started with a scheduling tool so that your social media marketing content planning can be um, batched is the first action step. Megan, I'm curious what other action step you might pull out of today's episode and today's conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, there's so many I would love, but I, I do think what we just talked about at the stats is an important step. And I know numbers can be scary, but it can be as simple as just opening a spreadsheet and then the month and how many followers I had, how much interaction I had and, you know, how, what were my best performing posts over the month? And that will start to help you to view the posts dispassionately after the fact <laughs> and really figure out how you're actually doing. That's wonderful, Megan. So I'm curious if our listeners would like to stay in touch with you, what are the best ways that people can find out more about you and your work? Oh, thanks so much. I am at Megan Erickson. I'm pretty much all of the platforms. That's E-R-I-C, no K, S-O-N. And um, 
I am at MeganErickson.com. If you want to check out my website for opportunities to work with me, I do coaching. I also have a little membership community called the Social Growth Society. If you need, if you would love like monthly help and updates on everything that's changing over the platforms as they do constantly. Well, and I mentioned earlier, Megan, that I, you know, am a lurker of your Instagram, but what are your favorite channels just for those who might be curious? Oh, yes. Instagram is by far my favorite, favorite platform, even though they keep changing it. I still love it. Um, So, yeah, I'm there. I am on Twitter a lot. I'm on TikTok a lot. Not as much Facebook, but Facebook's like a commodity anymore. It's like you have to have a phone line. So you have it. (laughs) Got it. Well, thank you so much for investing time to share with our listeners. And I look forward to staying connected to you, Megan. For those who are listening, um, if I can be of any help to you now, you can feel free to email me. I'm Becky at weavinginfluence.com. And just a quick note that if you are launching a book in January, 2023 or later, you probably want to send me an email today to explore how my team and I might support your launch. So um, I look forward to hearing from you and have a great day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.